1: Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Uh, Please make sure to like, subscribe, and comment on all of our videos. We do really appreciate that. That being said, my name is Steven. I am your host. Joining me today are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Tyler, we'll start
2: with you, man. How are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing very well. Thankfully, I did not have a Derwin James jersey with number 33 on it. But Steven, if you want to donate yours, you can put it right next to my 28 Melvin Gordon. (laughs) we all
1: have uh those retro jerseys then because i i I, I have a 99 joey bosa i know Mm -hmm. alex also has a retro bosa jersey so alex how you doing man
3: yeah i'm doing good uh you can join us in the vintage hipster jersey club where we do not want to buy new jerseys so uh, i i Yeah, I'm not buying. And you know what? Also, you know, there's a number 99 on the team currently who's not playing well. So Joey Bosa keeps 99 until uh, he starts playing well. So, uh, (laughs) you know, I'm going to stay there. Yeah, maybe maybe
1: the next 99 will be good again. And then then the Bosa jersey can be retired. But, uh, you know, people were responding to my tweet like, oh, just just, you know, do the jersey insurance and, and get the new number three. I'm 6'4", 270 pounds, so a, a single-digit number is not going to look good on me at all. So uh, switching to the number three,
2: Derwin James, is is simply not an option for me. Yeah, well, we'll Freaky Friday, you can wear number three, and I'll get like a 67 or something. <laughs> <laughs> a triple XL 67.
1: Also, do, oh,
3: do NFL jerseys even have the jersey protection? I thought that was an NBA thing, um, but maybe they do. I'm not sure. I think if you buy, I think if you buy through
1: Fanatics, it does. But I, Maybe, I, mean, yeah. I just bought it straight from the Chargers store. So, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll get the number three. Derwin and uh, Tyler can get sixty-three. Corey Lindsey. We'll we'll have some fun with that one.
2: <laughs> I want a Daniel Falele jersey. I don't even care what team you guys <laughs> I want. His game worn jersey, just the largest
1: possible jersey ever created for a football game. That man is ginormous. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we're gonna have a a lot of fun talking about the senior bowl and draft prospects and things like that. Um, down the road, I I just hit uh 25 on uh, my players list for draft prospects last night, so wow, uh, making some progress. Of course, a lot of that can and will change as I uh you know get to study some more games, but uh, today we're going to talk about the chargers secondary in particular, kind of reviewing it as we have been. Uh, And also talking about how we want to see that unit improve. But first and foremost, uh, there have been some slight updates on the Chargers search for uh, a new special teams coordinator. Of course, Darius Swinton is no longer with the team. Uh, To my knowledge, they had interviewed two player or two coaches, excuse me, um, Thomas McGalkey and I forget his first, his other name. Um, I'm totally blanking right now. The, the assistant special teams coordinator for the giants, but, uh, I want to say Brevin something. Blevin, I forget. Anyways, um Thomas McGowey is sticking in New or- in New York and uh Chris Tabor, Tabor, however you want to say that one, he is uh being hired by the Carolina Panthers. So the potential top 2 candidates for the Chargers special teams coordinator at least according to us and our limited knowledge on special teams coordinators uh are no longer available. So Alex, where are you kind of at these days with Uh, special teams coordinator candidates and just the general search there.
3: Yeah, it was uh, Anthony Blevins was the second interview that they had. I totally didn't just Google that. I I wanted to make Steven (laughs) make the mistake and then, you know. Uh, No, but uh, I mean, it seems like they're kind of back to square one at this point. Uh, Obviously, with McGough, staying in Carolina. Uh, And then you have, uh, is he in Carolina or is he with New York still? Uh, Blevins is staying in New York. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm, you know, kind of mixed on what they're going to do at this point. Uh, I don't know if they'll, there'll be like major special teams changes. It seems like they're mainly going to be keeping some of the same personnel. Um, obviously the biggest storyline of free agency is going to have Andre Roberts. Um, you know, are they going to bring him back? Dustin Hopkins, like we just talked about with, uh, Matt Overton, on uh, and whether he'll be back or not. Shout out. Uh, so shout out to that interview that will be dropping soon. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm more concerned at this point about who the special teams personnel is going to be than the coach. But obviously, who they hire on special teams is, is going to be important for the scheme that they're uh, going to put into place, which will be different from their previous schemes. And, you know, you just worry, I guess, a little bit about the fact that this is going to now be their third special teams coordinator within three years. Um, and, and that's yeah. something that will be get, taking a lot of time to get used to for a lot of those players uh, so we'll see how it goes, but it seems like they've sort of struck out on their first two choices. The first two choices that we know of, I'm
2: curious about the two guys that are remaining in the postseason right now. I don't believe they have any actual connections to the Chargers. I think they missed either Telesco or Staley or some other coach by a year or so with the teams that they were on. But you can look quick at Colt Anderson, the assistant special teams coach for the Bengals. Uh, he's a former player, I think, for the Eagles as well. He had uh, 60 special teams tackles or something like that in his career. Um, you talk about them being a top eight unit, I think it is, in special teams DVOA this year. So he's a guy to look at. Um, also, you talk about Evan McPherson's development. The Chargers are either going to find a kicker or sticking with the Hopkins or whatever. But I think you like that development and then being a top eight special teams unit works. And then I know the Broncos have interest in Dwayne Stukes from the Rams. Again, missed Staley by a year, uh, but he's been in the NFL for 14 years. So the Broncos did have interest in him. And then I found some random article that said, other teams had interested in him i don't know if that is the charges or not but those are two names wow. to keep an eye on and both of them are in the postseason right now so potentially either of those guys if they leave they're both top eight units i think the rams are fourth in special teams dvoa so they could go either of those directions and that could actually be their special teams higher
1: yeah that's a that's a really good poll by tyler uh clearly more invested in this special teams search than than i am but um that's an interesting one i i think you know, everybody's kind of worried about McMahon coming to the Chargers, but he, I think he had an interview today somewhere else, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so it it seems like, you know, if they wanted to hire Blevins, that, that's an easy hire, right? Like, you know, he's he's coaches linebackers, he's got the experience, you know, they could do that at any time because he would be getting a promotion. So if they are wanting to wait until uh, the Super Bowl is over, then I, I think that makes sense. i think clearly they are not in a rush. And, um, as Alex said, we did just interview uh, the Raiders interview McMahon. Okay. Thank you. Bolt Trappa. four. Um, we did just interview Matt Overton. So we, we talked a little bit about that and, uh, perhaps mentioned a little bit of a dark horse candidate there. So I won't spoil that. So, uh, be sure to check that interview out, but it is interesting, right? Cause if they go for somebody who's like a special teams assistant then really, like, what was the difference between the future assistant and Darius Swinton? Like, it's just a little puzzling at this point. And I hope we get some clarity whenever that person is hired.
3: Go ahead, Alex. Oh, okay. I was waiting for Tyler. But, uh, I I mean, I guess the person, since we do have a lot of Giants connections uh, so far in this coaching search, I mean, the person that is available is Joe Judge, um, who's still, you know, on the street looking for a special teams coordinator job. So I guess that's a way they could go. Um, But there's obviously going to be some special team coordinators, uh, like Tyler mentioned, that do get, you know, officially uh, either, you know, released from their contracts at the end of the year. Uh, So we'll have to see how that plans out as well. At this point, I think (laughs) I'm
2: really hoping that the person they want to hire is just not currently available and will become available because if they release Swinton and they just like lost their other candidates, like to me, you release Swinton and let him go because you have kind of somebody else in mind or multiple people in mind. And if those options are all gone, I mean, what's George Stewart up to these days? Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> um, he's not up to much for a reason. No, he's not up to much. I mean, uh, Anthony Lynn coming back someone's going to make Joshua Kelly good and Larry Roundtree good. So, you know,
1: Oh my gosh. I, uh, I just want this person hired. Like, you know, I I, I love pretending like I know a lot about special teams, but I really don't like, you know, just hire somebody and, you know, make them seem smart. I guess I don't just get this over
2: with, I guess. No offense to Overton, but it's like long snapper, just like whoever you bring in, whatever. (laughs) Just get over with. We have such a low bar, right? Of
1: course, as we have said throughout (laughs) this season, with you know Andre Roberts and Dustin Hopkins, and just don't be awful. Like if you're great, awesome. Like we'll take that, but just don't be awful next year on special teams, please. Yeah. A uh the the Packers special teams coordinator is available. He
3: just got fired,
1: so. Oh, former Packers.
2: Aren't they thirty second in the league in special teams? (laughs) Yes. Sweet
1: yeah. I'm the yeah. or that guy.
3: Yeah, problem. I watched the 49ers game and uh, it's a no. <laughs> so uh obviously,
1: as we uh you know know more about that hire, we will uh talk about it again. There's been like zero buzz. We've they've only done two interviews. Mm-hmm. They could have theoretically talked to Anthony Blevins at the NFL PA bowl at the Rose Bowl, uh, but we have no idea, you know. So uh as we know more, you guys will know more. Um all right, that being said, uh, we're going to jump into our main topic of the evening, which is, of course, reviewing the Chargers' secondary, a, a group that I think is uh, safe to say disappointed a little bit in 2020, 20, 2021. Excuse me. Um, Daniel Popper did point out several times that they had around 60 different combinations due to injury. Uh, so, like we did last time, I kind of want to point out positive takeaways first, and then we'll kind of you know, dissect this group going forward and, and like I mentioned, uh, discuss how we want to uh, improve this unit. So, Alex, if you had to pinpoint a positive takeaway from the secondary last season, what would it be?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the positives are you look at Asante Samuel Jr. first uh, in the quarterback room, like when he did play, you know, he was very good. Right. Um And, you know, played pivotal roles. Right. Like in the Steelers game prior to him getting hurt, played well against Claypool, um, you know, had a lot of, uh, interceptions and turnovers earlier in the season, uh, with, which earned him Pepsi rookie of the week for a while. So, yeah. you know, he did play well, was making a difference on the defense. Um, unfortunately just had the two concussions this year and then therefore missed time. Uh, so, but if you're looking for, you know, a bright spot in the secondary, it is Asante Samuel Jr. I think in the cornerbacks room, and then, obviously, looking at the positives, the, the biggest positive possible is, is Derwin James. Um, I mean, the way that he yeah. played in a season where you know I, I think we all expected him to play well, but coming off of a period of you know two years that he basically missed, um, that that was something where I didn't know quite how he was going to play, uh, and he ended up being arguably the best safety in the league. Uh, yeah. So the fact that he returned to his form was such a huge, you know, boon for this defense going forward um, and makes the ceiling much higher for what this defense can be because without Derwin James, we've seen what it is. Um, And the defense wasn't pretty this year either, but imagine how much worse it would have been without Derwin James. So um, Mm -hmm. I think his return, you know, the upcoming extension that he'll have, that's also a positive as well, just that they have somebody – uh, in the safety room that is going to be, you know, playing at all three levels for years and years to come. So to me, those are the two positives I pinpoint. And uh, I mean, I guess health going forward can't be worse because they had 60 <laughs> different combinations this year. So True. hopefully that's a reason for optimism next year. If you get more of the same units that are able to play together. I mean,
2: thanks for taking the positives. I mean, there there is definitely one <laughs> more guy. It's obviously Nisir Adderley. Yeah. There's not a lot from that 2019 class that gets you super excited. But I know and I feel confident that Nasir Adderley can be a starter moving forward. You do want to see him come down with more interceptions. There are plenty of times from, I think, the week one game against the Washington Commanders to God, so it's so so weird Uh, that game to, you know, games later in the season where he just kind of reaches over a guy and just quite can't pick it off. Yeah. I want to see him take a step there, but he took so many steps forward, either in coverage or against the run. And outside of getting bodied by David Njoku, he really did act and serve as a very good last line of defense for the secondary, saving quite a few you know, uh, touchdowns, absolutely. So uh, after him, I don't really know how many more positives there are. So, Stephen, I'll give you an opportunity to try to come up with something.
1: Yeah, I think outside of Derwin, you know, becoming the – or not becoming, but, uh, you know, playing as much as he did and really validating you know establishing himself as one of the better safeties in the league again I think that uh is probably the positive takeaway um Nasir Adderley really quickly it would be you know my next choice after that because I know that there were some there were some issues with missed tackles particularly uh you know against David Njoku like you mentioned but to me it it was just kind of different right like last year the missed tackles was you know, an instincts thing. It was a lack of confidence thing. I'm not really sure there, but probably a combination of both. And so this year, I I think you just saw Nasir Adley get more comfortable in the scheme, in himself. And we heard, you know, Derwin James talk about that. We heard Ronaldo Hill talk about that. How Nas was just like picked up the defense instantly and just was really comfortable in the scheme, really comfortable with what Hill and Brandon Slady were asking of him And I think we saw him be much more decisive. So I'm hoping that next year we see him, you know, take that next step. And like you were saying, you know, come down with those turnovers, be a little bit more of a playmaker, but you know, I'm comfortable with him as the second safety behind Derwin James, alongside Derwin James. And I think the chargers have, you know, it's really the only spot that the starting combination, I feel really good about heading into next season uh, is at the safety position. So, Outside of that, I mean, I was pleasantly surprised by what we saw from Alohi Gilman at the start of the season. He is one of those players that unfortunately got injured, uh, apparently tore his quad, according to him, on Instagram. And then, you know, missed six weeks and really just kind of wasn't the same player. But Mm -hmm. when Gilman was healthy, like I I thought he was playing much better than I had anticipated. So um, obviously outside of like the star players. I think Alohi Gilman deserves some love there, too, before he was injured, at least.
2: I think there's definitely something there with those two backup safeties. I really liked Webb early on in camp. He was picking off a pass every single day, yeah. it seemed like. And then, yeah, Gilman. I mean, there was a point in the season where going, oh, please, Alohi Gilman return. We can get this <laughs> yeah. rotation going. And I never would have guessed that right. after, after last year and looking at him at his time at Notre Dame. It's like, you know, he's a special teams guy. Maybe he can play downhill and hit. You know, but for him to come in and actually kind of pick up safety pretty well, it was a gift interception. But he did come on down with the interception against Mahomes that did sort of seal the game for them. He did play very well in the beginning, and then, like you said, the injury happened and things kind of fell off the rails. Right now, in the composite rankings, he is 31st out of 39 among the safeties that I have. Granted, those are 39 free agent, or excuse me, 38 free agent safeties. I just threw him right. in there to get an idea of where he is. So him at 31st out of 39 isn't great. They, I do think. They probably should find more of a veteran behind Derwin James and Nasir Adelis. So you're not going from those two right to a sixth and seventh round pick who barely have played. But I, I do yeah. think there is some hope for that group moving forward.
1: Yeah. And as Thomas points out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that tackle that a he had against the Chiefs was on the Raiders one of the no? crazier, or the Raiders. Yeah, the Raiders at the end of the mm-hmm. game. You know, that was one of the crazier plays, I think, of the season. Um, you know, I'm really curious about Mark Webb. Because, I mean, the Chargers need to figure out something different in the slot. Um, I think it's a much more important position than a lot of us are talking about. And, of course, they could sign a Bryce Callahan, somebody like that. But, you know, one of the things that Deontay Lee from PFF pointed out back in like November, early November, was that to play this too high shell kind of scheme, you have to have a slot player, That is a very willing run tackler and good at that. And so we saw them do a little bit of Derwin James in the slot. Obviously, Chris Harris really struggled in that regard in terms of run defense. But Brandon Staley, going back to like after they drafted him, said that they thought that he could, that Mark Webb, that is, could play in the slot. And so I don't think they should roll with him as a starter. I think he has that flexibility there. And I'm interested to see what year two looks with him looks like with him uh of course he did like Solomon, just have uh shoulder surgery hopefully it's nothing major but you know i'm curious there because like you said tyler he was making a ton of plays in training camp
2: i'm curious but i have to be cautious because i just don't like right. this slot corner group this free agent group is not good like i said <laughs> I know not end-all be-all, but like I said, the Chris Harris Jr. is number two on my composite rankings. There's not a lot of guys. Kwan no. Williams just got torched in the postseason. Uh, Dion does not play at all for the Rams. He'd missed the last two games because he just wasn't getting on the field. There's just not a lot there. So if Webb is their answer, cool. But they got to find somebody else a little bit more talented in the draft. They can't have somebody just motion, like getting open just by motioning across the line of scrimmage and going to like a swing router or something to the flat and just beating Chris Harris Jr. 32 times a game. Like that just can't happen every single game. They've tried it. The Chiefs did it and they almost scored. I believe the Raiders almost did it and they scored or they almost scored or they did. Uh, Just can't have that happen. They need somebody that's a little bit more athletic out there. And, and, And Mark Webb is not that.
3: Yeah, you mentioned the Raiders game, and you could just, uh, um, I was watching on TV, versus you guys were watching in the stadium, and you could just see Hunter Renfro start to run across, and it's like, oh, okay, so this is going to be a touchdown, because Chris Harris is the one following him, and you could see it five hours before it happened. Um, Yeah, I I think they need someone more athletic, particularly just because of the receiving groups that they're going to be going against, right? I mean, um, we mentioned Hunter Renfro in the slot, but obviously the chiefs have a lot of power, uh, at, at receiver. So do the Broncos. Right. So like, I think you need to have, uh, a, someone in the slot to take pressure off this defense, because right now it, it just feels like there's so many holes in the secondary. And obviously it doesn't help that, you know, they played 60 or so combinations to the point where, you know, whoever was getting put in one week was probably going to get burnt because the defense, uh, the offense knew to attack that. Uh, so I, I think yeah. that's really the problem going forward. I don't know how they'll replace Chris Harris, but I guess it can't get worse. But <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't want to say that necessarily.
1: Yeah, I mean, Chris Harris is just in a really similar boat as Jared Cook to me. Like the numbers look fine, right? Like you look at the production for those two players, and you're like, oh, like they had good seasons. But it's just like the way that the season happened, right? Like all the different times where. Chris Harris would like miscommunicate and, you know, not make the right play. And then he would just get pissed at his teammates, right? Like that shit pissed me off so much. And the, like the tantrum that he threw, you know, when uh, I forget which team it was against, it might've been the Broncos, but you know, it, the play was still happening and Chris Harris is jumping up and down, and getting mad at his teammates. So it's like, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know what they'll do with the slot. I think at this point with the way that the free agency is set up, Maybe you take like a one-year deal on a Bryce Callahan on a Kwan Williams somebody like that, and then you draft a slot corner, and and maybe theoretically like have a competition there. But they got to do something, man. They got to get better because I do feel like this is a position, you know, of need for this team in order to fix the run defense. I mean, of course, like having a better defensive line will help, but you the run defense isn't just defensive line. Like you have to have the linebackers Mm -hmm. and the safeties, and, and now in this game a proper slot corner. So um, I guess that kind of brings up too, like, do you move Asante to the slot? That's kind of what people thought, at least from the outside looking in that he would be. I don't really know. Maybe you draft somebody in the first round at 17, move Asante to the slot. That might be a possibility.
2: I'm in favor of, so I watched one game of Ahmad Gardner and I'm like, oh, (laughs) cornerback at 17 is a real thing. And I've only watched him. And I've only watched one game of his, but boy, there's something there, uh, but I'll need to watch a few more games to me, corner. It needs to be a, it might look preemptive or it is going to be a preemptive decision, even if it feels like a luxury. Well, you have two starting outside corners. Why would you take a corner at 17? Like, technically you only need a slot corner, but like, if we're being honest, neither of these, those guys are true number ones. And, you know, I'm worried about Samuel jr. Playing, getting one more concussion and then being out for the year. I'm worried about some sort of injury thing popping up for Davis and he's out. We can't just go again from two good starters to nothing. Like it, it might be preemptive to take, or it might be a luxury to take someone like Gardner or Booth or whoever, but I think they need to. And I think if that, you know, again, I've only watched Gardner, I've only watched one game, but again, you can play him outside, you can play him inside, you can play him press, you can play zone, off, whatever you needed him to do. He can do that. Same with Samuel Jr. Davis, you can kind of move him around with anybody too. And I think, yeah, like you need a slot corner, sure, but you can move all three of those guys around and they're all good players. And if somebody goes down, you at least have two still two good outside corners that you can work with. I honestly think corner at 17 might be the move depending on how free agency goes.
3: Yeah, I think corner at 17 could be the um, move as well. Um, unfortunately, I, I don't think Sauce Gardner is going to be available no, and not to, not. Not, to, not to kill dreams here. Uh, I do think you're probably looking at McDuffie, who has some flexibility, uh, Has been talked, about, he's been talked about and mocked to the Chargers uh, recently, and you have Andrew Booth, you have uh, Kair Alam from Florida, so there's a lot of guys that the Chargers could potentially pursue, I don't think Sauce Gardner will be one of them, then again, we said Slater wouldn't be on the board like 18 times last year, and he was on the board, so you never know, yeah. um, but... I think you probably have to look at it. I mean, you look at Michael Davis's contract who we'll talk about and, you know, he, I think is heading into the last year of his deal next year. Uh, And so he now would have, I think something like uh, 9 million in terms of his salary cap, but it's only 2 million dead cap if they were to cut him. Uh, So, you know, his contract is not super expensive, which is a good thing for the team in terms of his value, right? It's why didn't hurt too much that, you know, he took a step back this year, uh, at least in terms of what his financial value of his contract was. Yet at the same time, you also can kind of see they're laying the groundwork for the fact that he's not CB1 um, going forward. So um, I think that's really where the discussion of the secondary starts is how much do you believe in michael davis how much do you believe in his 2020 and then how much do you believe he can turn it around if you do believe he could turn it around then the need at cornerback isn't quite as bad but if you believe that he's going to be the same player he was in 2021 then they do really need a cb1 and i think that's kind of how we really start this discussion on, on some level yeah, you know, you bring up Michael Davis's contract and just so it's you
1: know specific. So this year he has a cap number of nine point three five million dollars. If the Chargers decided to cut him this year, they would save five point three five million dollars. Again, I doubt that, and that would just create a, a bigger need on the defense, and they already have a ton, but it's next year after that, where he has a nine point four million dollar cap it. And if the Chargers cut him pre-June 1st, they would save $7.4 million of that $9.4 million. So I've said this a couple of times on Twitter. You know, this is a prove-it year for Michael Davis. I think we all were really excited about him after last season. The way that he played was really a a bright spot of that defense in 2020. And if he plays like he did last year, then, you know, he's going to be the obvious cut candidate because the Chargers can save, you know, $7.4 million. And they'll have the Derwin extension and a future Justin Herbert extension. So uh, it's definitely something worth monitoring. And if the Chargers do decide to go corner early in the draft, I would not be surprised. And frankly, I am advocating for that because the free agency group in both an outside corner and in slot corner, it's just bad. And so I think in terms of what that does, right, is it's going to push cornerback up the boards higher in the draft. And luckily the, the draft class in terms of corner is fantastic. Like I, I haven't graded a ton of them, but I really like Andrew Booth. I really like sauce Gardner. I haven't been able to watch the Washington guys, but everybody seems to love Trent McDuffie. uh, Sam Monson from pro football focus had the chargers taking, uh, McDuffie in his draft today in his mock draft today. So the, the corner class in terms of the draft is fantastic. And so the Chargers I think would be very wise to take a cornerback. It doesn't have to be in the first round I think, but being proactive here makes too much sense because, you know, what happens if Michael Davis is bad again and you have as Pedro points out, what happens if you have Tavon Campbell back there as his backup again. So to me, I think we're seeing in the in the playoffs that you have to have quality secondary members to keep up with all of these teams. And the Chargers, like, I mean, I really like Asante Samuel Jr. and we really like Michael Davis, but there's just so much uncertainty at corner right now that I think they kind of have to draft a corner in the first two rounds.
3: Yeah, I think they have to draft a corner in the first two rounds probably as well. Um... And the real question, I guess, is Michael Davis and Brandon Staley seemed to allude to this in his press conference that he thought it was the system, you know, and the change from the 4-3 to the 3-4 that really affected Michael Davis this year, um, particularly what that meant in terms of mixing up coverages and, you know, how many different responsibilities he had versus in 2020, he was primarily just, you know, latched on to one player uh, on one side of the field. Right. And that was sort of all he had to do. And then that kind of allowed him to, you know, I think grow a little bit of confidence, right? Obviously he had the game in 2020 where, you know, he took on Stefan Diggs when Casey Hayward was out, was phenomenal in that one, and really started to gain confidence towards the end of the season. And then new coach, new defensive system, and then suddenly he's looking a lot more like 2017 and 2018, Michael Davis. Um, So I I think, it, it, you know, I think part of it is maybe admitting he's a true CB2, but it's also... To me, less about that, and honestly, more can he, you know, be responsible for all those, you know, coverages that he has to take care of and take care of all those responsibilities and move around the field um, in the ways that Brandon Staley expects him to? If if he can do that, then I think he can still be part of this cornerback group, regardless of what role it is, for a while, even past that three year contract. Um, But if he can't and he does struggle again, and the Chargers are probably going to have to move on fairly quickly. And they, you know, I didn't look up the contract before today, but the fact that they can save seven point four million next year, I mean, that's that's a substantial amount of money if you're trying to build out a secondary group. Yeah, Davis is such a tough one because he's one of the guys that I'm I'm
2: sort of almost willing to give the benefit of the doubt that that injury and the sure. COVID really just like just hit him hard. I mean, he was only giving up twenty eight yards a game uh, before the bye and then only one touchdown. There's a point where he had covered waller and shut him down completely covered kelsey yeah. and i think i give like 40 yards total or whatever it is between i mean 40 something yards between uh kelsey and waller it doesn't really get much better than that right. and you can see in that raiders primetime game open field tackling really good tackling shutting waller down that is there we saw in 2020 right shutting down Stefan diggs that is there i'm almost willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that he can return to form but i do think we have to accept that the form at its well, maybe not at its best, but at its regular, is going to be like a high-end CB2, um, middle CB2, some sort of CB2 plus or minus. Um, and I think that even though I do think he can rebound, I do want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I, again, like you said, I, I still need them to go corner in rounds one or two because, again, like interior defensive line, they've just neglected that for so long. And I want someone who can step in, have that athleticism to at least be able to keep up. And, and some guys like Chris Harris Jr., yeah. they, just, they just couldn't. The team just has to get more talented in the secondary.
1: Yeah. And Telesco can write uh, a, lo- a lot of wrongs by drafting a cornerback early back in back to back years. So, um, you know, I-, I think talking about Michael Davis in this fashion could it certainly be preemptive. Of course, you know, we could be jumping the gun here, but I-, I think it's worth mentioning because on paper, right, like it is a prove it year, you know, his contract and the way that it is set up, it's a prove it contract for him next year. So obviously, hope he is able to bounce back and it. I was really surprised that he came back from that hamstring injury so quickly. Um, So a couple of people have mentioned that maybe that could be something that really hindered him, bothered him more than we are, you know, uh, at least hearing. And I I think that's a possibility. And I think he could certainly bounce back next year. The team needs him to um, because right now they just don't have a lot of depth behind him. They don't have a lot of quality depth. And I think that they can kind of rectify that through the draft. If they wanted to sign a veteran corner, you know i'm not necessarily opposed to it i I think bryce callahan like i keep saying i mean he's been connected to staley in two different stops he probably only has another two years left in in his career and you know it feels kind of redundant going from old broncos cornerback to old broncos cornerback but i mean
2: maybe he has another good season left i mean i don't know you know we went from early 30s Packers offensive linemen to early 30s offensive lineman for the Packers and you know just if one doesn't work out go to the other one yeah
3: yeah and so I think what you mentioned about Michael Davis and I you know the season's kind of split into two parts which was like the good part of the season and then the bad part of the season where things fell apart but you remember right like he was covering Darren Waller and like making all these yeah. big plays that he had to make um, you know there was that weird Chiefs game where he was for some reason on Byron Pringle Um, I still don't really (laughs) understand that, but, um, yeah, no, I, I think it'll be interesting to see if he can rebound because if he does, um, you know, I mean, it's still his financial numbers are at a reasonable rate, regardless of how he plays. Um, really that, that contract that they got him at is kind of a bargain, um, if he is either CB one or CB two, but you know, I I don't know if I fully buy the hamstring thing either, because he, you know, he did have some of these same coverage lapses before, although it was more efficient. And uh, although his 2020 year was good, right, he still did have some of those same struggles as a tackler, as a run defender that popped up on tape, uh, even then. So the fact that he kind of struggled with that again, in in 2021, it wasn't too surprising. So um, I, I do think you probably need to draft more talent. But you know, I also would not completely write off Michael Davis from, you know, producing at a CB1 level again, uh, if he is more used to the system.
1: Yeah. And he could certainly take another leap forward in in his development. And, And Craig pointed this out earlier, you know, there are still some bad habits that creep up every once in a while, you know, his, his ball skills aren't necessarily the greatest, but you know, as long as he's able to stay healthy next year, I feel like he'll be better. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, he himself would probably say that he was disappointed in this past season. So um, outside of Chris Harris, the Chargers don't really have any other free agents in terms of the secondary. Um, none that we care about. None that we care about, you know, no offense to Devonte Harris and Trey Marshall, but uh, please do not return to the Chargers. <laughs> um, Ryan Smith is interesting to me. I know he he only played in like the one game, but I mean, the Chargers did sign him because of special teams. They signed him to be that that gunner. We didn't really get to see that because the only game that he played in, he was also the starting corner because of all the injuries. So, um, I wouldn't hate it if they brought if they brought Ryan Smith back for a one year deal, two year deal, something like that.
2: Yeah, one year deal. I guess the issue is people are talking about oh, let's use our you know our eleven draft picks to trade up, but those four seventh rounders are worth like two points and you can move up from like <laughs> your spot in the sixth to maybe like two spots. Yeah. Cause they're the at the six. end of the seventh round. Right. It's, it's, they're like one point each. It's not really going to be doing a lot for you. So, you know, I think at that point that's kind of where you are just throwing darts and finding your gunners and whatnot. And I don't know if Ryan Smith is really needed. I could see them taking a, uh, I forget his first name. Jennings, the kick returner that they signed, but they eventually let go. I guess Darius, see them taking, Darius yeah. 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 Darius Jennings. I could see them taking that sort of route where you kind of bring them in. But then you find maybe somebody else in that seventh round to push him out. Maybe not a whole lot of guarantees for that one, but it's probably worth bringing him back. But then, I, but again, they have eleven picks and they have to make this work somehow. So I just, I if Smith isn't back, it wouldn't surprise me.
3: Yeah, I mean, if Smith wasn't wasn't back, it wouldn't surprise me either. Um, you know, we're also talking about the health of the secondary, and it is a little bit of a liability to bring a guy who just tore his ACL back, right? Like, you, especially on a one-year deal. Um, where you're like kind of depending on him to fill that gunner role uh, and stay healthy year after. So, um, you know, obviously surgeries have gotten better and I, I think he could come back and be effective, But it's one of those things where I don't know if I want to trust him to that Gunner special teams role. And then he goes down and, you know, we're in the same situation again where, oh, well, now we don't have anyone to play Gunner and we're just kind of going to figure it out. Uh, Like Matt Overton said in our interview, like when guys started dropping, they just kind of had to plug and chug and figure it out. Uh, So that's one thing. Um, But yeah, they're definitely going, you know, fortify that special teams with some of those picks later on. I, I would expect a cornerback. A in those first two rounds, like we're kind of expecting and then B probably another quarterback or maybe multiple quarterbacks um, in the sixth or seventh rounds, or they'll draft running backs again, who knows. Um, But uh, yeah, I, I really hope that they do. They can bring Ryan Smith back, like Tyler said, but I really do think this is a year where you have to get some more draft talent in there as well that it can kind of fortify that unit.
1: Yeah, I I think this is a year where you have to draft multiple guys just to you know add depth there because the, really the last player that we have to talk about in terms of the secondary is Tavon Campbell. Um, people always forget that he's about to be 30 years old. I know he doesn't have a ton of NFL mileage on his body, um, but cornerback is traditionally a position that we see players fall off a cliff like as soon as they hit 31, 32 years old. Uh, unless your name's like Richard Sherman or Casey, of course, had a season here. Um, but Tavon Campbell obviously was not on this team to be, you know, CB2, CB3. And then it ended up being that way just because of all the injuries. So, Alex, where are we at or where are you at, I should say, with uh, Tavon Campbell's play? Because he is under contract for next season.
3: Uh, if you asked me this question after the first eight weeks, I, it would have been awesome. Um, <laughs> and you saw the second, you know, half of the season, those last nine weeks where you watch the Vikings game and, and you sort of just feel bad for the guy. Um, yeah. obviously it's Justin Jefferson and you know, there's not a lot that a lot of people can do against him, but he had a lot of uh, missteps and coverage against receivers that weren't exactly Justin Jefferson's tier. Um, so I, I think, you know, you still look at the raw attributes and you're like, okay, his speed, right? Like the fact that he can keep up with a Tyreek Hill, you know, when the situation arises and they can sort of trust him to do that. um, I I think that that is a valuable role, but the fact that he is 30, the fact that he has CFL and NFL mileage on him, um, like, like Steven alluded to, it's, Crazy that he is 30 years old still. Um, that, that's the kind of thing that makes me hesitant in terms of bringing him back. But also bringing him back wouldn't exactly be very expensive. And he does have a year of familiarity in the system. So um, I don't think it's like we were talking about in week eight or week nine where it's like, oh, he could be the slot corner next year, <laughs> which is, you right. know, what the discussion was then. I don't think you can trust them to have that big of a role. But I think you can bring him back on a manageable contract. And he does have some of those attributes you're you're looking for and um at one point going back to michael davis just because i forgot to mention this you mentioned the name casey hayward um and that's sort of someone that we wrote off after 2020 as well and you know he got to play in that gus bradley system again was healthy and had a good year uh for all intents and purposes on that uh small contract that the raiders paid him so i think that's you know another reason maybe not to write off michael davis entirely um, you know, if he can get back from that injury, if, if it is kind of a similar case to Casey Hayward from 2020. So we'll see how it goes. But um, yeah, regarding Tavon Campbell, uh, I don't know if there's a lot to hope for there. But I think he can be OK depth based on his familiarity in the system and his raw attributes.
2: What a weird this whole corner group was almost just like fool's gold or something happened to them at some point because they yeah. were keeping the group. The, the The pass rush was not getting there. The run game, the run defense was terrible, but by golly, the secondary was holding CD lamb and Amari Cooper to a yeah. you know, hundred yards or whatever it was. I mean, how long ago does that feel as far as Devon Campbell goes yeah, There are definitely traits you would like to, you know, gamble on and work with, but I think they kind of let us know how they feel about him. And as soon as everybody came back, he played six snaps over the final two games like for a guy to go from sixty something snaps to two or just give me to six, it kind of lets me know that he's on his way out. So, you know, will they look at like a John Brandon maybe at some point? I don't know, but um, I think Tavon Campbell is gone. Yeah, I wish
1: that guy would have come back at some point with all the injuries. But um, Campbell is an interesting case because I think you have to bring in competition to this room. You know, we just said you know draft a couple players and you know potentially sign somebody. So. I think it's pretty clear, like uh, across the board, I want competition as, as much as possible and like legitimate competition. And so, you know, you have a guy like Kemon Hall, you have a guy like Tavon Campbell as backups, but they should not be, you know, guaranteed those positions. And, and even if they sign a starting slot corner, that like, you still got to bring in those competitions for the back end. So um, I, I think... Cornerback is a sneaky need and, and, you know, we haven't seen Tom Telesco be super proactive before in the secondary, but if he were ever going to do it, it would be this year. Uh, So I want to go jump back to the safety position because Craig uh, in the chat actually brought up a couple of interesting names in terms of free agents. Um, Obviously, if they sign a special teams coordinator from the Giants, then they'll have a connection to one of the players that he mentioned, which was Jabril Peppers. How do we feel in general about signing a safety? Because I feel like, you know, we were talking about being intrigued by Mark Webb. We liked Elohi Gilman. They only carried four safeties throughout the season until the very end when they had, uh, actually, even at the end, they only had four. Um, But Tyler, how do you feel in general about outing a veteran safety to challenge Elohi Gilman and Nasir Adderley, potentially four snaps?
2: You know, that they absolutely should. There's, there's so many safeties on the list that I have. I couldn't tell you much about any of them, unfortunately, <laughs> but they do need to bring somebody in. Uh, unfortunately, this secondary group, in terms of the depth guys, it's definitely all up to Brandon Staley, in my opinion, if we're up to Telesco, we'd see Jalen Watkins or Julia lodi out there. Instead, they went with Harris or the other guy whose name I want Marshall, you know, those guys. So I'm kind of looking for somebody who has a connection to Brandon Staley, kareem jackson hello <laughs> like did not he knock out two honestly i wouldn't hate it i wouldn't ago? who's the guy who knocked out all of our players uh, that was kareem jackson lovely that's great well so we got to beat the Chiefs somehow right so um man uh, they should i don't know who it is again there's a list of 39 people i'm looking at but they do have to bring somebody else in i think they have to have some sort of veteran out there someone who at least kind of can just plug and play uh michael schofield type if you will someone who can just walk in and just kind of take care of his job going from, you know, with the starters that they had to Trey Marshall, who gave up the most yards after catch in the NFL um, during his time as a starter, you just can't do that. They have to find somebody out there. And I don't think safety is a real big priority for them right now in the draft. It'll be edge. It'll be corner. It'll be tackle. It'll be guard. It'll be interior defensive line. It could be anything else outside of safety. So I think they need to bring in. It's a big list of safety players. I just, I don't know much about them. Uh, but they do need to bring somebody else in that's a veteran
1: and Devin McCourty being atop this list is crazy to me
2: he came in hot and everything first or second in a ton of categories um, so you know it is what it is I don't know how he played this year uh, some Marcus Williams guy I forget what college he's from
1: yes my guy uh, gonna get a huge bag this offseason can't wait to see what that ends up being yeah, not with the Chargers not with the Chargers. Again, like there's
2: so many names on here, and I don't, I have no idea who they are. I, I mean, remember
1: when everybody wanted the Chargers to sign Malik Hooker? He's a free agent. I feel like he played okay for the Cowboys. Sure. He's a former Colt. We you know how uh, Telesco at one point liked that connection. That was a thing.
3: That definitely was a, a surprising thing just uh looking at the safety list so i mean i think we can cross out the idea of them signing a tyron matthew or devin McCordy. um don't think that's going to happen for various reasons i think those guys are going to be looking to play for bigger roles um the chargers already have derwin james on the team so uh just a couple names that stick out uh you do have two eagles on this list you do have anthony harris and ronnie mccloud uh anthony harris played more special teams this year. Uh, Rodney McLeod has been more their starter since the really the Super Bowl era of, of the Eagles. So I think he's played pretty well, uh, has experience there. So you could get one of those two guys and kind of plug them in um, to, to that safety room. Obviously, it would sort of be like a 1-2 with Derwin James. Depends what you want to do with Andrew Lee, though. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, Jabril, Jabril Preppers would be a guy that I think is very interesting that Craig brought up earlier. Um, but really I think it's about finding those guys who can be on those one year, two year deals and you know, probably yeah. would would not cost more than maybe four or five million per season. That's probably what you're looking at in terms of a signing right now, just because you are going to re-sign Derwin who's going to be expensive. And you do have Nasir Adderling on that rookie deal and you're trying to extract value out of that on some level as well. So to me, I think a lot of people are gonna want them to, you know, <laughs> sign Tyron Matthew or, you know, sign guys because they're there, and the Chargers have unlimited money, apparently. But I do think you are looking at more uh, guys that, you know, uh, not Daniel Sorensen. He's, <laughs> he's a free agent, too, not him. But uh, guys that can be on those one-year short-term two-year deals, maybe, uh, and, you know, still provide value on special teams and, you know, uh, other spots as well. Yeah, somebody on here.
1: There's Dion Bush from the Bears. I mean, he's been with the Bears for about six seasons, looks like, um, and really only started two seasons, which uh, was this past season, and then 2018, which would have been Staley's last year in Chicago. So maybe that's something. I, th- I think the Bears, you know, bringing in Eberflus, they're going to be going through a scheme change. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I, I talked a little bit about some potential Bears Bears connections because of that scheme change in a video that will be dropping, uh, probably tomorrow. Um, so maybe that could be something there, you know, I'd have to look more through this list now that we're talking about it. Um, I mean, Gino stone from the Ravens was somebody that I really liked out of Iowa. I would love that personally, but again, that was probably a little biased because I, like I said, I, I loved his draft evaluation, but yeah, you know, like somebody mentioned to me the idea of signing a Jordan Whitehead from Tampa Bay. Um, I mean, he's a very young player still. I feel like the Buccaneers would probably be likely to sign him back. So if they do sign a safety, I think it would definitely be more of a veteran. You know, Tyron Matthew, we've seen players, you know, Alex kind of ruled it out, but we've seen players go from division rival to division rival as a way to like stick it to people. So I'm not saying it's completely impossible, but I don't think it's likely at all. But I would be a huge fan of that addition if he is willing to come this way. Just Tyron Matthew, your third safety, just on the bench,
3: you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's well, I, that,
1: yeah. Well, I think in that scenario, right, you can allow Derwin to play a little bit more linebacker, play a little bit more in the slot, yeah. So, I mean, maybe that's the solution to potentially losing Kaiser White,
3: yeah. I mean, oh, great. If we want uh, someone who maybe can relate to uh, Nasir Adderley's experiences of dropping interceptions in critical moments, Jaquisky Tart, available. <laughs> I mean, I wanted them to sign him last year. I, yeah, I think he's, he's good. Just... He's just going to get a lot of crap about that dropped interception yeah. for the rest of his life, probably. But he's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if he, he drops understand. interceptions,
2: it fit right in with our team.
3: <laughs> Credit to him for owning that, though.
1: You know, he had a, a tough conversation with the media, I feel like. But, I mean... I feel like that's the kind of versatile safety that he likes. I'm seeing Tashawn Gibson on here, formerly of the Bears, too. He's old, though. Um, Of course, Kareem Jackson. Not seeing a ton of other no-brainer connections, but yeah. So um, I did mention another safety in this video coming tomorrow. I don't want to spoil it, but uh, connected to the team, potential cut candidate, so keep an eye out for that one. Um, all right, guys, any other thoughts here about the safeties before
2: we uh, or corners, I guess, before we wrap up today's show? Not in particular, no. Just any corner to help out the edge rush group that was ex- ex- excellent at pass rush win rate, but just couldn't get the production. If it's someone like Mose who comes back, a secondary would obviously help him. And, of course, Bosa. Or, you know, find some corner or safety who can free up Derwin James to move around, play slot, and play linebacker. I think that's definitely something worth exploring that you brought up earlier.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think obviously versatility and the fact that they're able to do a bunch of different things in this defense, I think that's going to be important. Um, Maybe not for each guy, right? Like you'll still have guys that are going to just play corner or play outside and play slot. But I think guys that can do a bunch of things in this defense, as opposed to just one, that's going to make them more valuable in free agency or more valuable in the draft. Um, and also their ability to potentially contribute on special teams as well when we're talking about some of those rookie players that are going to be drafted. Um, so I think that's really what this team is kind of looking for. Uh, a, a, a lot different, obviously, than the Gus era of the Chargers, which was just um, you know kind of finding guys and letting them do their thing. I do think this defense is obviously more interactive, and, and everyone kind of does have to contribute their part um, and more than their part sometimes. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And thankfully for the Chargers, it seems like both the draft classes in terms of safety and corners are are shaping out to be really good ones. Um, you know, the two days of the Senior Bowl are under wraps, and it sounds like the secondary members down there are really playing well. So I'm excited to dive into that uh, a little bit later today and tomorrow as I was able to get some uh, access to Senior Bowl tape, and we'll be sharing some of that. But um, I think the Chargers are in a good position in terms of this being a defense needy year in general. It sounds like the defensive line and edge markets in both free agency and the draft are strong. So I think the Chargers are in a good position to, to really revamp this unit uh, as a whole as it you know goes down the road. So um, that's going to do it for us today, guys. We're going to talk about the Senior Bowl and some uh, really the beginnings of our draft coverage uh, on our next episode. So stay tuned for that. As always, if you are listening to this episode on the podcast platform of your choice, please leave us a rating or review. We do really appreciate that. And uh, thank you all for tuning into the live stream. Really appreciate it. We'll see you guys next time.